Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, the climate expert, Nathaniel Paul Thurston. <laughs> How's it going today, my man? Uh, it's going pretty well. I'm not sure I can live up to that. Well. But I can tell you what it is right now. Look, the thing is, in 2022, you just say things. Yeah. So. That's true. Somebody fact check me or not fact check me. It doesn't matter. And if you do get called out like the uh, girl that we called out yesterday, you just you just act like everyone else is crazy, basically. Mm-hmm. we I guess we could mention that real quick. We talked about uh, this uh, girl who posted about the Plan B being banned in Tennessee and did a pretty extensive fact check on it. Yes, uh, fact checked it yesterday. CNN also fact checked and they reached out to her and asked. And she was very apologetic by saying I never claimed to be an expert on Tennessee law. Yes. <laughs> Very apologetic yeah. on that whole thing. So anyway. If you didn't listen to yesterday, you got to go back and listen because that, that should have made dumb bleep. It's, uh, it's, the week. it's possible. It still could. I might, I might make sure it's got the dumb bleep tag on it. We have another one in here that's uh, potentially going to be in there for dumb bleep. So let's run through some of this stuff. We mentioned this one yesterday, and I'll try not to spend as much time on it as the amount of things that we have in the notes for it. we got like three pages worth of notes mm. for this first topic. But I just wanted to do a little bit of light, basic economic scene real quick. Uh, if, on climate change. On climate. And this isn't just climate. This is actually has to do with California's constant water problem that they've been dealing with forever. Just forever. You know, it's it's not. Turns much, out there ain't much water in desert lands. Not a lot of water. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There, there just isn't. But they have been able to bring in water and to subsidize water for farmers, stuff like that in California. And I've been looking at articles on this because I've been seeing things about this for a while. Their water shortage, their massive drought, their restrictions on whether or not you can water your lawn and all that for a while. Take a shower. Yeah. I was looking at (laughs) fee and fee's got articles. I read one, there's a piece of one from 1991 in here talking about California's water problems and how it's not going to be solved until they get to market pricing for water, something like that. So anyway, from the Washington Post, let's talk about this problem. Facing a new climate reality, Southern California lawns could wither. Now, this is a new climate change reality. This is not a problem, like I said, that people were writing about back in the 80s and 90s and at all. This is a new problem that we this have. This is all <laughs> from climate change. Definitely. Yeah. It's not an ongoing problem mm-hmm. that they've always been having. It's not about pumping water hundreds of miles away. No. That's not no, that's anything not it. to do with it. No, no. That's not it. The relentless dry spell that is withering the American West, is, which is mostly deserts, by the way. It's, I don't know if you look out through there. Like Arizona, um, Arizona, Nevada, New, Southern California, New Mexico. They, New Me- yeah. They've been suffering from climate change for quite a long time mm-hmm. out there. But anyway, climate change is withering the American West. Major reservoirs have baked down to record lows. By the way, they're finding bodies and stuff out there. It's not funny, but they solving are. some crimes. In you know. barrels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Down to record lows are still dropping, threatening the ability to generate hydropower. Farming regions that fill the country's produce aisles are being forced to leave fields unable to irrigate. In L.A., the drought is now coming for the lawns. Mm. So all you get off my lawn libertarians out there. We are, quote, we are in an emergency. 
I call this a natural disaster. Well, it's not a natural disaster. This is a man-made disaster right here from climate change. Said it's actually the, not a disaster. It's just natural. <laughs> said the... <laughs> said the general manager of the Metropolitan Water District of Southern California, which announced last month that some 6 million people in its service area will have to limit irrigation to one day per week, the most severe cutbacks in its history. So you can't water your grass now? No, no. Well, just one day a week you can. Mm -hmm. I know we all love our grass, but we need to sacrifice because none of us want to have a day without water. Since the restriction warnings began, customers have been have bombarded the water office, one of 26 water agencies with the, uh, which operate under the Metropolitan Water District, with angry phone calls, very mad about uh, climate change. And probably strongly worded letters, Yeah, I bet. Water for landscaping makes up 70 to 80% of the urban water use in Southern California. And uh, so let's get into some of their some of their problems. Now, what they do here is they start running low on water. They go into these water restrictions, and then they set all these rules that say that you can't use very much. They 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 start rationing the water. You can only water your lawn once a day. You need to keep your household used to under ninety gallons a day, something like that. They set all these restrictions, and that's going to solve the problem. And you know what? They never do. They never change the prices to reflect the scarcity of the water, mm -hmm. which would actually ration everything immediately right there. You know, my, uh, one of the weird things that Lacey, my wife, uh, it's okay. I can, she doesn't listen to the show. We can talk about her. Uh, one of the weird things that she does is she kind of pays attention to the amount of water that we use, which I never think about it. Like on the list of things that I try to cut on. You have the shower and the, the sink running at the same time yeah. when you're brushing your teeth. And, and I filled the bathtub just in case. Mm. Yeah, same time. While we got the sprinklers going outside. And I don't think anything about it. Like if I leave the water running in the sink for an extra minute, she's like, oh, that's water. I'm like, that's the equivalent of like five more seconds in the shower. You know, I don't <laughs> have a timer going in the shower. But anyway, what... What causes us to naturally do that is the price of the water. You know, that's it. Now, if the water was just artificially kept at a really low price, which it still is around here, we still got our public water, of course. If, if the water was left to market pricing, then when there was a scarcity of the water, then we would say, well, you know what? I think I should take shorter showers. Or maybe I don't want to keep my entire lawn irrigated and, and sprinklers going all the time to make it real pretty or whatever. Maybe I don't want to fill up this gigantic swimming pool or whatever it is because water is super expensive right now. We do it with gas. You know, we think about how far we're going to drive with so, gas. So you want to price gouge people with water now? Yes. Yeah. I want to price gouge in people. In the middle of a natural disaster mm -hmm. in this desert, mm -hmm. you want to price gouge people. That's exactly what I want to do. Yeah. And wow. honestly, I want poor people to, uh, to die of thirst. Is what I'm saying. It also could yeah. be a family thing because you like you guys obviously aren't poor. <laughs> God, you know, it yeah. could be a family thing too because um, I paid attention to that kind of stuff even as I got older, only because I grew up really poor. So we did have to pay. I remember my grandmother telling me I lived with my mom, and my grandmother, my grandmother, my mom paid for the house, my grandmother paid for the bills, and so our air conditioning was always set on like eighty two. And our heat was like 56. So as long as it was whatever. I mean, yeah. we went most of the time without having any air conditioning or heat. It was only in the extreme temperatures when it got below 56 and above 82 or something like that. Then the air would kick on or the heat would kick on. And uh, 
I remember my grandmother telling me, like, you know, when you get old enough and pay the bills, you can set to whatever temperature you want. Well, the same for water and stuff. I mean, we literally, we had a 10-minute shower time limit growing up. Yeah. Because the the amount that we paid for water and electricity, like, everything mattered because we didn't have a lot of money to go around. And so we economically did it ourselves. We didn't use, we only used what we actually needed. Now, Think about the difference because my wife and I will pay attention to what we put the air on. We don't keep it where we'd really like it, which is like 65, 64, something like that. Uh, we'll keep it on like 69, something like that, just to be funny. And so we'll we'll leave it on something like that. Now, if we go stay at a hotel, what do you think we do? We keep it on 69, 70? zero. Yeah, it's on the lowest setting. It'll possibly <laughs> go and it's running the entire time. That's it's right. an icebox inside of that place. And why is that? Because we don't have to pay any extra if we use way more than what we're than what we would normally use at home. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's included in the cost of the hotel. So who cares? We use as much of it as we possibly can. And that is the problem that California is dealing with. Now, if you had a really genius central planners, they could up and they could mm-hmm. up the price and lower the price and they could do all of this if they could see the coolest thing. And I know people call it invisible hand, whatever you want to call it. The coolest thing about a free market with prices is that it just does it itself. The, the it's prices, unbelievable. The prices are the central planner. Exactly. They're the signals that tell everyone what to do in the market. And no one has to set them. No. They go up and down, buy, them, buy their loans themselves. And a higher price for something, that, that sucks for a bit. But if you're also talking about restricting people's water usage... Well, the higher prices also restrict people's water usage. And it does another really cool thing, which is incentivize suppliers to find ways to supply more because they see that there's higher prices out there. They can supply more out there and they can find ways to do that. Now we're in a completely government controlled market here that that we know that the free market is just not able to operate in whatsoever. Uh, And that's the problem that they have. They live in an area where the water is brought to them. It's not natural for them to have all the water that they're using, but they're trying to use central planning to plan out all of this. And it is consistently not working for them. And it hasn't been for decades. So, And it's not like we don't have room for these people to live in areas that are full of continuous water. That's the that's other problem. The, that's not the problem. What they're doing is they're pumping water from the Colorado River, from Lake Mead, from all these other places, and they're pumping it hundreds of miles away, either to Arizona or Southern California. And now, you know, the Colorado River doesn't even reach the ocean anymore, mm. by the way. I didn't know that. It doesn't, no. Now, the Mississippi does. And you have to wonder, like, okay, well, you know, Minneapolis is on the Mississippi River, and they use a bunch of water. And the difference is, though, the waste, the water waste uh, gets filtered and then gets pumped back into the river. Where in California and Arizona, they don't have any reverse system to go back to the Colorado River to end up in the ocean. So that's why it's running dry, along with Lake Mead and other places. And you see all these videos popping up. It's like, oh, look what climate change is doing. (laughs) This is climate change. Disregarding every other factor possible. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't some climate change that may uh, be continuing to make more desert than used to be. And and I'm not saying that... uh, that it's even human caused or whatever. I'm just saying it's multivariate. And the fact that you're pumping water out of a natural water system and you're not putting anything back, eventually it's going to dry up. Yeah. 
Yeah. Can, unless, because the amount of snow that melts on the Rockies that creates the Colorado River can only do so much every year. And if you use more than what the melted snow produces, uh, then you, then that's, that's it. So there's another part of this, which is the agricultural part of this. And Fee uh, had a couple good things on this. And they were talking about a drought that California is going through. Like I said, I've been reading stuff about California's water shortage uh, since I could read. That was like some of the first stuff I read, I think, was uh, was about California's water shortage. And uh, it, it went straight from like cat in a hat and then, uh, you know, climate change causing One water fish, shortages fish, in California. Blue fish, I think, was in there. Water so shortage. So you could learn about the fish. <laughs> yeah. And then how they're all going to die. They said in response to the drought, the Wall Street Journal says inspectors are traveling around residential areas checking on water use. That's an efficient that's an efficient use of resources, too. Like that doesn't cost the people any money. They've got inspectors driving around checking on people's water usage Mm -hmm. like the people don't have to pay for that. But it would be bad if you charge them more for water. So it would use less. Well, this is these are really nice inspectors, Nate. Okay. Yeah, they do it for free out of the goodness of their heart. Well, not for free, but they're really nice. Okay. Way nicer than prices going up. That's good. In many areas, certain uses of water, such as watering lawns or washing cars, are prohibited or else allowed only a few days of the week. Neighbors monitor and report on their neighbor's water use. And occasionally, the water authorities find people who use too much water or use it in unapproved ways. Mm. It's so crazy when you have this collectively planned economy for this resource the authoritarian regime that pops up immediately people uh, people informing on one another not being able to trust your friends having to hide what you're doing getting fines for using the resources you know they buried some guy alive had his uh, had his kids buried that's not what happened but anyhow i slipped into china there for a minute my bad well there's no shortage (laughs) of neighbors selling on neighbors no that's the crazy people are like well where does authoritarian come from it's like oh well just build the structure and it's your neighbor by the way and possibly probably you too here's, if you're honest here's another problem that they have some of their crazy political priorities are causing problems this is also from fee and i'll put the link in here according to the san jose mercury news the new lawns will require the new laws not new lawns will require cities water districts and large agricultural water districts to set strict annual water budgets face fines of a thousand dollars per day if they don't meet them and ten thousand a day during drought emergencies now that sounds like price gouging to me but i guess it's coming from the government so that's fine go the fine goes from a thousand dollars per day at a normal time to ten thousand per day during a drought but you don't want to raise prices on the water during mm-hmm. the drought no that would be a bad thing to do as some have noted, the restriction could make it difficult for some California citizens to do laundry and take a shower. And then the other issue that they have here, uh, they haven't invested in in their systems. This was a quote from someone from Reason saying that they haven't built any new infrastructure for the last 20 years. That's not unique to water. It's roads. It's schools. Unwillingness to invest in the future because they spend all their money in the government paying for pensions for employees. And then they also those nice inspectors to go around. They also have done this thing. Uh, California has spent enormous resources to protect the Delta smelt, a three inch fish that appears to be going extinct despite their enormously wasteful environmental projects. Quote, to protect the smelt from water pumps, government regulators have flushed 1.4 trillion gallons of water into the San Francisco Bay since 2008, according to a 2015 report. Now, that was from 28, 2008 to 2015. The Wall Street Journal said that would have been enough to sustain 6.4 million Californians for six years. Yet a survey of the adult smelt in Sacramento 
in the Sacramento River Delta last fall yielded eight fish, the lowest level since 1967. Eight fish. It's worth it. 1.4 trillion gallons of water, enough to sustain 6.4 million Californians for six years, and their survey, they were able to find eight Delta smelt. Mm. That's great. Those sweet smelt. <laughs> then the, the sweet, sweet smelt. You know how you could get more of those, by the way? As Dave says here, if it saves just one fish, <laughs> this is eight. If it yeah. just saves one, we should all, we should get rid of all of our water. Mm-hmm. Mm. But this is mostly a climate change problem that we have right here. Uh, yeah. they, there is also this agriculture problem that we keep alluding to. 15% of the water used in California goes to households and businesses. The remaining 85% is used by agriculture. 40% of the state's water is used to grow rice, alfalfa, and cotton, and to irrigate pasture land for grazing by cattle and sheep. All of those uses I just named combined produce only 0.2% of the total state income. But 40% of the water goes to rice, alfalfa, cotton, and cattle and sheep. Now, look, I know what you're thinking. Like, these farmers deserve to live in a nice climate where the weather's always 70 to 80 degrees, whatever. But, like, here's the thing. If if they weren't artificially lowering, if they weren't artificially controlling the price of water, those farmers wouldn't be there to raise their cattle and sheep or whatever. They would go somewhere else where it was more economically friendly unless you were... Where, where water just falls from the sky onto right. your ground. Where yeah. you were a rich farmer, mm-hmm. you know, or only the rich farmers would be able to enjoy the California. Because um, what's this called in economics? It's... Uh, not economics of scale. Um, when uh, you talk about geographical regions, like the reason why we don't grow coffee in America is because oh, it, yeah, not that we can't. It's just more economically viable to grow it in a natural environment. It's, I can't remember the term now. I keep thinking of economies of scale, but that's not what it is. Um, whatever the geographical economy term is, okay. The reason why we don't grow coffee in the United States not because we can't construct the greenhouses and create the environment that coffee needs. It's just way more expensive. It's cheaper to grow it where it should be and then just import it. Okay. Same thing with this, right? They've artificially created an economically friendly environment for people to water land for cattle and sheep to graze. Yeah. And to grow cotton and rice and all these things that don't belong in California. When there are plenty of other places in the United States where water just magically, through sheer tyranny of will, falls from the sky. And springs up from the ground. Yeah. It's it's, it's a golden it's, miracle. It goes both ways. <laughs> it comes up from underneath. It's Yeah. They got all kinds of the rain there. <laughs> Forrest Kemp was talking about. So check out this price difference here. Water for agricultural use uses often is sold at prices well below the price to residential customers. Prices charged to some agricultural users are as low as $8 per acre foot. That is how much water it would take to fill an acre of land a foot high. $8 per acre foot compared with those to some urban users who are charged well over $200 per acre foot. So 85% of the water goes to farmers and they're charging them around $8 per acre foot when the other people that live in houses and have businesses are paying $200 per acre foot. Yeah. This is a climate change problem right here. 4,000%. This is not mismanagementism. Mm -mm. This is a total climate change problem right here. Yeah. 
That's good. And what Charlie was talking about is completely, there is there is plenty of land all over the place where you wouldn't have to pump water hundreds of miles and then subsidize the water even more afterwards to get people to do that. This is just protectionism by the California gover- government to protect the farmers that are in California. But the people of California should not be subsidizing those farmers that are in California so they can have their farms. If it's not a good place for farms, then the farms need to be somewhere else in the country where you don't have to pump the water to those places. And there's a lot of land. Now, only 5% of the U.S. is is developed, like with people living on it. You know, and what would we do, folks, if we didn't have the government to make sure that our rivers didn't dry up, that our lakes didn't drive up? None exactly. Of that. Like, what would we do without them? The amazing thing is, is that you wouldn't have this problem if there wasn't government involvement because the people who are actually pumping the water or using this water or whatever would charge such high prices as it started to get low that it, you wouldn't, it, it would never happen. People wouldn't Be- even have nice lawns in California. They would be like in Arizona where it's just like rock, you know, just gravel. Like, yeah. no, we're not going to water the lawn. It's too expensive. Guess we're just going to have rock. Guess who has grass in Arizona? Really rich, rich people. Rich people. Yeah. <laughs> Most people, it's pavers and rocks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. With a few palm trees springing, springing about. Let's talk about the children. Um, this is also climate change, I think. This is another this, climate this change. This is a whole problem. climate change episode. Mm-hmm. All right. From Reason, the U.S. baby formula shortage is the FDA's fault. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever reason. We mm-hmm. obviously know this is climate change. Yeah, it's about to be the Supreme Court's fault, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the U.S. In the, is in the grips of a baby formula shortage. Avid Nutrition, a popular manufacturer, issued recalls on three of its products in February after a spate. Is that a spate or spat? I've always heard spat, but I didn't know spat had, had an, an E, e at on the end it. of it. I didn't either. Yeah. Um, so after a spat, spotty. Spate, I think it's Spate. Yeah. After a spate of bacterial infections and two infant deaths. Now many stores are out of baby formula or are placing limits on how customers can purchase in order to preserve supplies. Once again, rationing. Mm -hmm. According to the New York Times, pandemic-related supply chain issues have compounded the problem CNN reports. Now, didn't we talk about more than one way people can die? Mm, There's a lot. I think a lack of food is probably one of them. It it is one of It affects some people, Mm. mostly the young and the elderly. Everyone else is fine. Right. Yeah. Just like with COVID. I mean, they probably should introduce some type of forced breastfeeding in here, you know? <laughs> yeah. That way we make sure the, the only the people that need the formula get it, mm. you know? Uh, the, uh, let's see. The out-of-stock rate for baby, baby formula hovered between 2% and 8% in the first half of 2021, which is just fl- inflation. Uh, same thing. It's mm-hmm. transitory. But began rising sharply last July. Between November 2021 and early April 2022, the out-of-stock rate jumped to 31%. That rate increased another 9 points, 9 percentage points, in just three weeks in April, and now stands at 40%. The statistics show in six states, Iowa, South Dakota, North Dakota, Missouri, Texas, and Tennessee, more than half of baby formula was completely sold out during the week starting April 24th. And although seven states had between 40 to 50% of baby formula products out of stock as of, uh, as of early April, 26 states are now struggling with supply. You know, one of the other issues with this is that Abbott, <clears throat> Abbott Nutrition that was supplying that, uh, one of their biggest things Plants is, in Michigan. is uh, that people who are on the WIC thing, the women and infant children thing, 
uh, qualify for, for that. So it's actually a really hot commodity for that. Probably a lot of the rich people baby formula still available. What's not as available now is stuff for poor people. And one of their largest factories in Michigan closed because mm-hmm. of this bacterial infection that they had going on. Um, and this is obviously a problem of not enough abortion. <laughs> too many, it's too many babies needing too much formula. This is why people are protesting. You should just kill them. Yeah. Let's just kill the babies that need the formula. I mean, that's then, basically what, uh, I mean, that's kind of a, what a collectivism kind of mindset leads to. I mean, that's like, like your one child policy type stuff in China, you know? <laughs> yeah. We can, we can, we don't have the resources. Y'all we got having too many damn babies now. Yeah. U.S. officials could have made such shortages less likely by approving baby formula that is widely available in Europe. But per usual, the FDA has other priorities. The agency has long, has a long history of taking forever uh, to approve foods and medications that European officials have already decided are perfectly safe for human consumption. This is yet another in a long line of failures. Both the FDA and CDC screwed up the early approval process for COVID-19 testing. Now, just to be clear here, there are other baby formulas that we could have access to that people drink, babies drink in Europe. They're not all dying. They're not not all dead. They're not tainted with poison. Nothing crazy like that, but they're they're readily available in Europe, and we can't have those here because they're not approved by the FDA. But we have a massive baby formula shortage. We're limiting the amount that people can buy. The prices have spiked up a bunch, and we're going through all these issues. All the while, there are other companies that we could be getting the product from, Yeah, but we're just not able to. Joe says he's here in a, this is a new market for wet nurses. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just have a uh, baby titty sharing. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all won't come by to my titty party I'm having. That's, I charge $10 a feeding. $10. Per, per breast. $10. Is there like a time limit on it? I don't know. Is there a per court rate? Maybe I'm not a wet nurse. We'd have to ask the wet nurses. We'd have to ask the wet nurses. Like a filling station? Can you buy snacks while you're there too? I'm not a biologist. Okay. So. All right. Okay. (laughs) Was that the end of it? (laughs) No. One of the guys in the group says, I'm in for 20. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When asked about the shortages, old Jen Psaki told the White House press secretary, uh, the White House press secretary praised the FDA for taking swift action to get the compromised baby formula off the market. The FDA should really stop erecting regulatory hurdles that make it harder for the working class parents to feed their families. But, That's not what Jen Psaki said. That was back no. to the reason article. Yeah. 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 She, Jen Psaki was just excited that the FDA swiftly came in and shut that plant down for their bacterial prowess. <laughs> now there's more to the equation that could happen. Like, okay, I mean, does it, does it not make, hopefully it makes everyone as upset as it does me. And I don't even have any kids. Okay. So I, I got no baby in this fight. All right. I don't have any kids that are on formula anymore. So yeah. Um, there are other companies available around the world and people drink their formula and they're okay. And they're alive. It might be cheaper to take the family over to Europe. Yeah. But we can't, we just can't get them just like there was a 20 other COVID tests that were available in Europe too, that people are taking and we can't get them because we got to go through our long FDA. Can they not get some emergency use authorization here? Do we have to have Pfizer buy the formula 
company? <laughs> is that how we're going to get it? We need the Moderna formula. What we need is a formula stimulus package to go through Congress. Maybe we could put a little bit of vaccine in the formula and they would put the the uh, EUA through. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's how we could do it. Yeah. Every day on the show, you hear us interacting with our friends in the private Discord group. We've got a new way for you to join, and that's by going to joingml.com or clicking the link in the show description. You can join for as little as six bucks a month, pay for a year if you want a 15% discount, pay more if you want to show that you actually care about the future, or get a lifetime membership to obtain the coveted Real Libertarian label in the private group. We're able to do this show every day of the week when we want with the support of our sponsors and with the help of people like you who want to do your part to get the message of limited government and individual liberty out to the masses. The link opens up to our private Discord server. If you don't know, Discord is a very popular free app with over 200 million users. So if you don't have an account that takes 10 seconds to make one, then you can pay using a credit card or PayPal to watch our show live every day. Don't wait for other people to take action. That's how we got here in the first place. So go to joingml.com. That's join the letter G and then M and then L because this is Good Morning Liberty com or click the link in the description. Now back to the show. Okay, the next one here from the New York Times states this is terrible. This is an awful problem here that we that we have. This is the one that could potentially be in dumb deep dumb dumb deep of the beak at the end of the <laughs> at the uh, end of the bleep. States turn to tax you know the, you know the thing. You know the thing. <laughs> states turn to tax cuts as inflation stays hot from the New York Times. In Kansas the Democratic governor has been pushing to slash the state's grocery sales tax. Last month, New Mexico lawmakers provided $1,000 tax rebates to households hobbled by high gas prices. Legislatures in Iowa, Indiana, and Idaho have all cut state income taxes this year. And a combination Even of... California did, by the way. A combination of flush state budget coffers and rapid inflation has lawmakers across the country looking for ways to ease the pain of rising prices with nearly three dozen states enacting or considering some form of tax relief, according to the Tax Foundation. So talking about this, <clears throat> I did see where California cut their state taxes for businesses by like 34%. Did they? They're trying to keep them from going to places really? like Texas and Tennessee and stuff like that. Isn't that something? That's weird. That's yeah, weird. Considering some of their massive companies are <clears throat> all moving out. But, well, you know, although they're doing all that, while the policies are aimed at helping Americans weather the fastest pace of inflation in 40 years, economists are warning that paradoxically cutting taxes could exacerbate the very problem lawmakers are trying to address. By putting more money in people's pockets, policymakers risk further stimulating already rampant consumer demand, pushing prices higher nationally. <laughs> There is a risk to letting people keep some of their own money. I thought the engine of our economy was consumer demand. Apparently, it's, it's a bad thing when it comes from tax cuts. Okay. Yeah. That's the kind of demand but you don't want. A couple of weeks ago, we read mm -hmm. that, that was the engine. The engine of our economy. Yeah. Okay. I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just connecting the dots. It's all making sense no. to me. Now, okay. So you could stop for a second. Let me just, I highlighted this. By putting more money in people's pockets... Policymakers risk further stimulating already rampant consumer demand, pushing prices higher nationally. 
There's a couple things there by putting more money in people's pockets. People on the left only see one way that people have money, and that's by it being given to them by other people through force. That's the only way that they see it. You don't earn money. You don't take it. And someone taking less money from you is the same thing as putting more money in your pocket Mm -hmm. because the government owns all the money. It's just determined by whatever amount they decide to let you keep. Uh, And I don't even wear pockets. Yeah. (laughs) They own it. It's theirs. If you get to keep 80% of it, then that's them putting 80% in your pocket. If you get to keep 90, then they just put another 10% in your pocket. Yeah. It's not that they took less from your pocket. That's that's not what it is. So that's great. And the other part- I is love what, how they frame these things. Oh yeah, it's, it's brilliant. And like you said, I thought I thought demand consumption was the uh, was the steam engine of the, the boat that, that rocks the ocean. <laughs> of, of our economy. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Jason Furman, who we have mentioned before, on the podcast several times. An economist at Harvard who was an economic advisor under the Obama administration said that the U.S. economy was producing at full capacity right now and any additional spending power would only drive up demand and prices. Now, that's not untrue, by the way, though. No. So what they're saying is not untrue, okay? More spending power does equal more demand, right? Which does contribute to inflation and prices going higher. But the... but they're, they're leaving out some context here. Well, here's the issue. They're acting like there's two solutions. They're acting like there's there's two possible things. Either here's what's going to happen. If, they, if the government puts this money in your pocket, then you're going to go spend it, and that's going to cause inflation. So that's one option. Here's the other option. The government keeps that money, and they're just going to hold on to it and not do anything with it at all. Yeah, they don't spend. They're not going to do anything. No, they're, they have lockboxes. They're missing the actual other option, which is either the government's going to spend the money very inefficiently, or they're going to let you keep it because it was your money to start with. Those are the actual two options because they're not just going to keep it in the bank and like do some low interest loans out to people or anything like that. That's not what's going to happen. They're just going to spend it on stuff that's more than likely not necessary because if it was, the market would have taken care of it in the first place. So... Uh, They go on to say the economy is producing full capacity. But when it comes to cutting taxes, the incentives for states do not always appear to be aligned with what is best for the national economy. Quote, I think all these tax cuts in states are adding to inflation, Mr. Furman said. The problem is, from any governor's perspective, a lot of the inflation it is adding is nationwide, and a lot of the benefits of the tax cuts are to the states. So these, just to be clear, the states that are cutting taxes are causing our nationwide inflation. I want everyone to just keep that in mind. It's your states like Florida and like Tennessee and like Alabama and Idaho and maybe Indiana and North Dakota or something like that. And that's actually where like a lot of our inflation problems are coming from Mm -hmm. because those people have been allowed to keep too much of their own money. And we got to do something about that. Exactly. And this is why I said it's missing context because the real driver behind inflation is not that it's not from these tax cuts or supposed tax cuts. It's the fact that we spent like, I don't know, $8 trillion. It's a lot of trillions. By the way, it's something like that over the last couple of years that we didn't have. that just created out of thin air. And so, yeah, we artificially increased demand. We artificially increased the money supply. And so prices are going up. And now that's why I said this isn't untrue because the more spending power that people have, if they do go and spend versus saving 
um, or investing, if they do go and spend that money, then that can drive prices higher, especially if they're in the same uh, direction, like everyone's trying to buy a house. Yeah. So I'm just saying we're uh, we're comparing that to a to a false to a false option that doesn't actually exist because mm-hmm. they're pretending like one option is that the government just keeps the money and it doesn't cause any inflation that the government's going to keep the money. But the the actual thing is they would keep the money, they would spend it very inefficiently, it would still go into the market into more inefficient uses, uh, less productivity, less efficient use of the resources, and we would still get the inflation. So the actual options are either the government's going to spend this money or people are going to spend their own money. Those are your two right there. So states are awash with cash after faster than expected economic rebound in 2021. Thanks to the president, Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. I added that in there. And also $350 billion infused from stimulus funds that Congress allocated to states and cities last year. While the Biden administration has restricted states from using relief money to directly subsidize tax cuts. All right. Subsidize tax cuts. Many governments have been able to find budgetary workarounds to do just that without violating the rules. Which is which is so funny. It's like if I if I give Nate money and I'm like, you cannot buy Coke heavy with this. Mm. You know, you can't do it. No. You can't buy it with this money. No. So you like you just like take your other money to buy Coke. <laughs> And I take your money to buy what I was going to buy with the other money. Exactly. So it's like, it's pretty easy. You can't, (laughs) it's like, um, it's like people that get mad when they pay child support or whatever. And you're like, oh, that money is like going to pay for this or whatever. It's like, well, that doesn't matter. Like that would have been bought anyway. I went, I went through that. my I went through that my whole life. I know. I remember when I was younger, my grandparents who are dead now, so I can talk, I can say whatever I want. (laughs) Um, they were mad at my mom because the, Jeez, like the twenty dollars my dad was sending, <laughs> my mom went to Diet Pepsi and cigarettes, and I'm like, yeah. no, Diet Pepsi and cigarettes would have been bought anyway. It doesn't matter like what money you give, like those those were default in the poor budget anyway. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but like, not that poor. Is you're getting <laughs> Pepsi, like brand name like that. Diet, Diet Pepsi. Diet's not any cheaper though. We have to I remember mean, back then. Pepsi a, products. A, you guys went name brand. You have to remember back then. A, a Coke was like twenty five cents. You remember the day it where it wasn't you, that cheap? You weren't drinking out of glass bottles or anything. Come on. Oh, yes, you could. You could go get a can of Coke for twenty five <laughs> cents at the gas station. That's true. And the vending machines, it was fifty cents. <laughs> you used to get the gum. You know the gum now they sell for a dollar twenty nine for one piece. Yeah, those were fi- those were a nickel back in the day. I remember when I was a little kid going into the the gas station with my nickel get me a piece of bubble pop so not the same folks hopefully everyone understands just how ridiculous that whole last argument was maybe that'll be a little bit in dumb leap of the week one more thing here i wanted to mention and charlie if you want to go over this there's an article here just a few paragraphs in the show notes uh under this the street article right here oh god and okay so we went through all this stuff a few minutes just a little yeah that's why i just switched to this one um, we went through all this stuff with the pandemic wealth gains of all these rich people. A lot of people coming out saying that we need to tax these windfall profits 
these windfall wealth increases from all these rich people. Heck, even Tulsi Gabbard came out there and said that we needed to tax all the windfall profits mm-hmm. from all these companies. It just ain't fair. All the unrealized gains that these people had. And oh, how the turntables. We have got some, we've got a great indication of just how stupid an unrealized wealth tax is. Which actually, they, they could be manipulating the market to bring it back down so they don't have to pay anything. <laughs> oh, that's not it. That's not it. Yeah. You have the, the, the article here? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Problems with wealth tax and pandemic gains. Oh, that was just my note for what it was called. So Okay. Oh, okay. Here, senators propose huge one-time tax on billionaires' gains during the pandemic. So guess who? <laughs> Our favorite guy, uh, Bernie Sanders, Ed Malarkey. I said Malarkey. I think Malarkey's fine. Ed Markey and no, it's Kristen, Malarkey. For hereby known as Ed Malarkey. Ed Malarkey and Kristen Gillibrand introduced a bill this week called the Make Billionaires Pay Act. <laughs> uh, make billionaires poor again. And this is from when the stock market was at all time highs. Mm-hmm. Just so everyone knows. That would levy a 60% tax on the windfall wealth increases billionaires have accrued during the pandemic. The senators estimated that 467 billionaires have added $731 billion in wealth for March 18th, the lowest day in the stock market of 2020, (laughs) through August 5th of 2021. Mm. At the same time that 5.4 million Americans lost their health insurance and 50 million have applied for unemployment insurance that we increased the benefits on and made it better for them to apply for. Ah, According to Sanders, under this emergency tax, Amazon... It's an emergency, by the way. mm -hmm, uh, CEO, no longer CEO, by the way, uh, Bezos would pay a one-time tax of $42.8 billion while Musk would pay a one-time tax of $27.5 billion. Facebook, uh, Meta Platforms, Mark Zuckerberg, would pay a total tax of $22.8 billion. Now, here's the interesting thing. What's the problem with that? Well, all that sounds money, great to me. All that money's gone. Yeah. It's literally almost all of these stocks are back to pre-pandemic levels or below. Now, they did mention Musk, which Except is for Tesla. Not, that would still be up a lot, but... The other two people mentioned in this, some of the most favorite people to hate on, Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos. And so we can pick them because that was some of the most popular people to hate on. Now, it's even worse today. This is from yesterday, actually. It's even worse today. But um, Facebook is actually at least 9%, probably more than that. I haven't looked at the market in an hour or so now. At least 9% below it's pre-pandemic levels. I mean, pre-pandemic, there was no pandemic, okay? Now, they talked about all this money they made from all that pandemic profiteering and all that. So from February 2020, Facebook is down 9% at least since that time. Now, there was a point where Facebook was up 100%? What was was it? Mm -hmm. More than that? Yeah, about 100, a little over 100%. And at that time they decide that they want to tax their windfall profits and we're going to tax the unrealized gains of these people. But the problem is you go a little bit further out in time and now they're actually back down below what those levels are, which is why unrealized gains taxes are so freaking stupid. 
because you never know what's going to happen. That's why it's unrealized. You know, I had, I was in a position earlier today and I had an unrealized gain of about 250 on this one options contract that I was in. Now, should I have paid a tax on that unrealized gain of 250? Probably for every second that it ticks by, you should yeah, calculate tax what on the taxes that. are. Now it closed out minus twenty dollars. That's where the trade actually closed out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. That's why when you're trading stocks, it says unrealized. Now, luckily, the very next trade, I had a realized gain of two twenty-five after that, so that was good. But so I guess I should get taxed on that. There's no way I lose money tomorrow. Mm-mm. You know, you got to pay like a daily. Or like an hourly tax, probably. Well, we should just arbitrarily decide a time frame mm-hmm. and make you just pay that. That's, okay. And in this case, what they want perfectly wanna, reasonable. Their arbitrary time frame is from the very bottom of the market to the very top of the market. Mm-hmm. Completely arbitrary, not subjective. They just threw it at eeny, meeny, miny, very bottom to the very top. That's what we're going to choose. And Mark Zuckerberg here would pay $22.8 billion on nothing on a minus nine percent gain since the pandemic he would have to actually now it's not that he's not worth that he's still worth uh, more than 22.8 billion but he would basically have to sell like uh, almost half of his stock to cover just the bill yeah and he's just the bill let me put amazon over here real quick i thought i had it in there i actually put facebook twice so amazon the same thing going on here right now. So at one point they were up 72%. And this is when Bernie Sanders and AOC and Ed Malarkey and all these people, Elizabeth Warren for sure, she sits at home at night uh, just looking at herself talk about taxes in the mirror. Like that's just what she does. And she just sits around counting other people's money. Uh, I was going to go way worse with that. But um, anyway, they were up 72% at one point in time. And as of yesterday, they made it all the way back down to their February of 2020 levels. And they were actually down below those today. This is from yesterday. They were down further. So at what period of time should they be taxed on? Because if it's as of six months ago, then they had a 72% gain. And I guess we'll tax them on that. Uh, If it's... uh, a year from then or a little bit more, well, then then they're sitting at actually less than that right now. So I, I guess we actually owe them money right we now. We should tax them until they are less than billionaires, Nate. That's, what, that's all what we got to do. Exist. I forgot so. you actually had a call. My bad. Yep. All right, everyone. Thank you for hanging out today. We are going to get out of here. Uh, that was a economics in one podcast for you right there. Hope you enjoyed it. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell the children in the states where they're still legal uh, that they need to listen to this podcast. Good morning, Liberty. Go to joingml.com. Joingml.com so you can join the live group, hang out with us, watch the show live every single day of the week when we want to. If y'all do every single one of those things, and I mean every single one of those things, then we'll be right back here again on Thursday, not tomorrow. And that's Charlie's fault, and he's sorry. We'll be right back here on Thursday. Until then, have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot, 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 excuse me, the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with him. I guess we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact.